Hey, sports fans and fucking savages alike, welcome to the Greg Medford Show. This is your uh, maniacal host, Greg, coming to you live from the desert here in Arizona. It's finally warmed up to scare away the candy-hearted, lily-livered softies that hang out here in Arizona and screw up our roads during the eight beautiful months of the year, and then they chicken shit out and weasel out of town, and, and, uh, and they dodge the dry, scorching heat that leathers our necks and puts smiles on our faces and warms our tootsies. So in our ongoing citizen soldier, modern day musket, fact-finding excursion, you know, I wanted to do a podcast on like chicks, boats, bikinis, and I ended up it being focused in politics, public policy, and changing the world. I would rather the world was going along really well and everybody else did their goddamn jobs and then I could just talk about chicks and bikinis and boats. But as it turns out, an entire class of people have decided to abdicate their jobs. Now, being in the press used to be this blue-collar, gumshoe, well, let's just get the facts. Let's tell the people what's going on. We'll go after the big bad people and we'll call them out for their bad behavior. It's turned into the George Washington University, uh, NYU, Columbia, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth, Princeton, suck up entitlement class that's tapped in to the party class, which is tapped into the permanent business of the government. And so it's really about cocktail parties, dresses, and being included at the show. So it's a social club. The press has turned into a social club of liars, race baiters, and people with an agenda. So what are we supposed to do? Instead of me talking about what I want to talk about, I have to do this because I feel compelled and I don't know what else to do. So in this wonderful country, we get the great fortune of being able to have our fellow citizens who want to jump into the halls of power and uh they want to walk the gauntlet of an election and we've got a chance this past year this you know this is wrapping up our second season now to kind of pull back the layers of the onion and see what this process looks like it's been interesting the text people reaching out to me saying hey greg you know i'm thinking about running for office so cool i've been watching this show listen to people it gives me an idea what to do i see a combination of things from our candidates i see one, lack of vision and clarity of their mission when they get there. I see uh, lack of vision on their financial component to get there. And I see rarely these come together. And when they do, you get this wonderful winning combination. So we get a chance to see folks in their infancy of their candidacy. And as they kind of mature through the process and change and evolve, which I've been watching for the greater part of my adult life being kind of a politico- hobbyist so i can't kick down doors and do things for our country anymore which is great fun and that's the kind of thing you do when you weigh 150 pounds and have good knees 
Um, once you're my age, what you can do is you can pick up a microphone and start peeling back the layers and see what you find. So I speak at political events around the state of Arizona and around the country, and I do the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy the show today. Our guest is uh, Brandon Martin. Brandon's an Army veteran, I believe, right? Yes. Army veteran who uh, lives here in Arizona. He's uh, The districts have all switched around recently with all the new borders have been drawn. Numbers have been changed. People that were in seven or in six, people in three or in five, I don't know. It's kind of madness. But you're down on the border, right? Yes. Uh, Sierra Vista area of Arizona? I live in Sierra Vista. We're going to talk about what's going on down on the southern border a little bit. Now, don't get bored because everyone uh, does their 30-second soundbite on the crisis and invasion of America, and we've got somebody who's actually down around there now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're not going to beat that subject to death, but we're going to talk about why he's running for office. So, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Appreciate your service, as always. No, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to join you, reach out to your audience, and educate folks on why we need to fight and save our country and how we're going to do that. So, you're running for U.S. Congress, one of 435 people to be a freshman coming in. Um, talk to me a little bit about what made you decide to want to do this. Well, I spent my entire adult life fighting for this country. So when I was in high school, 9-11 happened. I, my junior year, I watched the, the events of the day unfold, and it stuck with me for the rest of my life. Uh, at the time, I cared about what well, you were just talking about earlier. I cared about my Camaro with my T-tops. I cared <laughs> about my girlfriend. I cared about playing football. And that's what I would like to be talking about and thinking about. But uh, then we got sucker punched, and uh, I said, I've got to give something back. I still wanted to play college football. So I joined the Army Reserves. Uh, I was literally moving into my dorm room. I was carrying a microwave, walking in with my mother, and my battalion commander calls me up. He says, Brandon, you're going to Iraq, but before you go to Iraq, we're going to send you to Fort Huachuca, Arizona to become an Army interrogator, and uh, then you're going to go over there. So I was like, all right, sounds better than carrying a microwave. Let's do it. So uh, where were you going to school? I was going to Indiana State in Terre Haute, Univers or Ter Terre Haute Indiana. Okay. And... Uh do you, do you speak any uh, uh, Farsi or Arabic or? No, just what I picked up over there. And in fact, most Army interrogators, uh, they don't speak, a lot of them, not, they don't speak the target language that they interrogate in. Uh, we use interpreters uh, a lot. Yeah. And so even if you do speak the language, uh, you don't want to necessarily let the let uh, person you're you know interrogating yeah, that sure. you know the language. Right. That's uh, a little bit of a. A little bit of a chess game. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and uh, did how long were you over in uh, Iraq for? So actually, interestingly enough, I was leaving Fort Huachuca on my back on my way back to Fort Hood, Texas, and uh, we got Frago saying you're no longer going to Iraq, you're going to Afghanistan. So I went to Afghanistan, OEF4, uh, 2005, 2006. I was there for 13 months. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. We had a great unit. We had a great mission. And what, what uh, part of uh, what part of Afghanistan were you in? So my so my unit, the 66th MI, uh, we formed uh, Task Force 165, and we had intelligence operations for the entire theater. Uh, so I we all flew into Bagram, uh, went from Bagram to our different posts. Uh, I went to Fob Salerno in coast Afghanistan, right on the Pakistan border, right across from Miram Shah. Uh, so we were out there uh, messing up bad guys and hunting down bin Laden. And uh, tell me a little bit about what was going through your mind when we pulled out of Afghanistan. Uh, I'm not romantic about these. I used to be very romantic about yeah. this mission. I used to be romantic about America, and now I'm a little more... I'm. 
I still love the country yeah. with, to my fiber, but I'm a little more jaded and pissed off. Yeah. So I was instantly, I, the first thought that went through my head was this is all wrong. Everything that I'm seeing, everything I hear in the news. And by the way, being an interrogator and in intelligence MO, uh, you know, I don't believe everything I hear in the news, but I was watching. I was like, this is all wrong. That was my first thought. Mm -hmm. And it goes against everything I was ever taught in Army tactics, the way that Biden and his administration withdrew from Afghanistan. Uh, and then my second thought went to my friends. I was like, everyone that I went over there with, all the veteran friends that I've made since then, I immediately started thinking, I work with a great group down in Sierra Vista, Arizona. They do a lot to help veterans. And in my opinion, they've got one of the best models out there uh, to help veterans because when a veteran needs help, uh, where you might go to the VA or something, you have to fill out paperwork. It takes you two weeks to get it done. Uh, you go down to this place in Sierra Vista, and it's they help you first. What's the place? Uh, Warrior Healing Center. It's okay. uh, on Paseo San Luis. Uh, but when a veteran needs help, they walk in, they immediately start helping, and they start filling out the paperwork as the process is starting. So uh, they house over 50 different organizations for free, uh, give them a free office space, free internet, all that kind of stuff, and they put them in one building. So that way, if a veteran needs help, whether it's suicide or um, getting a job or, or whatever it is, um, they're there for them. And I think it's a great model. I think it's something that is less of a dog and pony show and something that actually is effective and it's completing the mission. So uh, anyway, so I started thinking about them and everything they go through. And I was just like, man, uh, you know, this is just going to ramp things up even more. Everybody that I know, everybody out there with PTSD or, or some sort of feeling about the war, it's like, what are they going through? And so that was my second thought. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I I just went down, I have so many friends who've served over there now, I, I never went to Afghanistan, but I think about the investment we all have as veterans in, this, in these foreign places, and we want to see them succeed, uh, because we've seen blood and treasure sink into the ground, right? Uh, I wanted us out of Afghanistan so badly, and Iraq but I never wanted us out the wrong way. Yeah, absolutely not. You don't want you don't want to see one the loss of life, right? One the loss of life, everything that we have spilt blood for, everything we've sweat for, everything, you know that that for me that 13 months of being over there and you know as a veteran you probably get asked a lot, you know, what was your time like? How great of a, uh, you know, marine were you or how great of a soldier was I? I was like there were a lot better over there and some of them didn't come back. So uh, looking at that, we should have never done that. And when you look at Afghanistan, the $83 billion worth of equipment or whatever it is that uh, we left over there, people are like, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's all this equipment that you've just basically made an army of an enemy over there. And, and I, you know, I'm not worried about that. If you've been in the service, especially the army, uh, that equipment takes a lot of maintenance or it breaks down really quick. Yeah. So the Afghans yeah. aren't going to maintain A humpy without humpy parts doesn't last long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not going to uh, really be effective for them. But what, me as an intelligence guy, my first thought when I saw that number and all the equipment that was listed that was left over there, yeah. I said Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, and anyone who has any ill will towards America is going to be paying for that equipment so they can reverse engineer it to fill to figure out how to kill Americans. We should have been doing, put it all into a depot and do bombing runs on it. We could have done that. We could have done, I mean, like, <laughs> there's so many talk, things to do. So many things to do. We, we could have, we could have 
uh, first of all, they were working with the Taliban um, to withdraw as a security force. I mean, we could have laid traps. We could have bombed the ever-loving shit out of anyone that came to pick up that equipment. We could have done so many more things than just leave it there for them. Right. You know, it, it just... it. I uh, was talking to somebody a couple of days ago, and they were saying, oh, yeah, you know, all the gas is not Biden's. It's not all Biden's fault. It's maybe a little bit. And I, I think it's all because it's a collection of all of these soft indecisions, these soft bad decisions. They all add up and projects weakness in it, and it just changes the tide of sentiment, action, and pressure in the world. It's 100% Biden's fault. 100%. It was going, the price of fuel was going up before the invasion of Ukraine. Right. I mean, as inflation goes, gas, the gas prices are one of the key indicators of rising inflation. But, and gas prices are one of the key causes of inflation because it is such a big part of the economy. Yeah. It touches everything. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I was, the reason I asked you is because I know so many people feel like, you know, all the, you know, my buddies and my friends and my efforts are, were in vain. And I think the big message for, us as we get older is it's always in vain no matter how long and no matter what happens but to see us turn tail and dodge out of there in the middle of the night not telling our allies creating mayhem causing a vacuum it's just not the way you do stuff you know you can have our political changes here and you move out one president move in another president cheat this thing cheat that thing that you know the sh bullshit shenanigans the politicians play but you can't do that with our foreign policy and with our government with our military we just can't yeah absolutely not what are your thoughts uh, are, you, are you out of the military now completely I'm out, yeah i'm out of the military um talk to me a little bit about the leadership because the the army leadership that i have heard talking the last year and a half makes me sick to my stomach um where are you on? I know it's your branch and these are your no, folks. No, I've, when, listen, when I heard when I hear Marine generals get out of line and go, the goddamn jarhead stars need to have they need to be packed up and sent away. Enough with these stupid field grade and above uh, officers. Lieutenant Colonel just said that, didn't he? Oh yeah, the, yeah. The Marine Lieutenant Yeah, Lieutenant like, I, I got run speak, out of yeah. the Marine Corps for yeah, it. Got run out of the Marine Corps, absolutely. Right. So talk to me a little bit about because I you know every time I've seen Mark Milley, I want to I want to. Uh, you know, I want to crush him on a bridge abutment. Yeah. Uh, what the hell's going on there? So that's a lot to unpack. So let's start with when I went to Afghanistan, uh, my battalion commander was Lieutenant Colonel Gary Johnston, uh, rose up to be Major General Gary Johnston and just recently passed away. Uh, great man. Um, I had CW4 Chick. I had CW3 Joe Lancaster. Uh, some of the people, some of the leadership that I served with in the Army was some of the best leaders I've ever met in my life in any spectrum. And, uh, you know, Chief Chick and, and Joe Lancaster, they helped write Army interrogation. Um, you know, FM 2-22.3, but before that, FM 34-42-34. Uh, but, you know, anyway. These Joe are field manuals, yeah, instructional field manuals, how you conduct. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Joe Lancaster was um is considered probably one of the most um you know he retired cw5 probably one of the best uh human intelligence people ever uh so i just had the honor of serving under great leadership and uh after i returned home from afghanistan i started teaching on fort huachuca i was an army interrogation instructor on fort huachuca for over a decade 
And um, so I go there and I transition from teaching to working in the command group. I was the training coordinator for USACO, the United States Army Center, Center of Intelligence um, and Excellence. So I'm, I'm there. Uh, I work in the command group. I'm a training coordinator. I'm charged of training, budget, and development for 474 Army civilians. And uh, so I'm there doing that job. And one of the last trainings that I attended before I resigned my position to run for Congress was transgender sensitivity training. And so I'm sitting out there as a civilian, DA civilian. Uh, I'm out there with um, a battalion commander, company commander, first sergeant, teaching their soldiers, the other instructors, transgender sensitivity training. And they tell us that if a soldier who's born a biological male wants to become a female, all they have to do is go down to Deers or our admin office, go down to Deers and change their tag from male to female. Uh, they go through a couple therapy sessions uh, with a therapist. Uh, they, they get a dress in women's clothes and, and see how that works out for them. They don't have to go through any hormone therapy. They don't have to go through any types of surgery, anything like that. All they got to do is change their tag in Deers, go to a couple of therapy sessions, and it goes from being a biological male to a female. And so being in the military, you know this, and every veteran out there knows this, uh, there are different scales for males and females. So when you go to do PT, you do a PT test, right? And you get points based on your PT score. Right. And then those points figure into your promotion when you go before a board. Right. So um, for, for you guys who haven't served, you get performance and conducts rating each year. And then that kind of goes each time you're up for promotion due or in a cycle, being selected for a schoolhouse. Uh, you graduate from schoolhouse. Maybe someone's continuing for promotion. They take your performance, uh, like we used to call them PNCs or whatever, but yeah. performance and conduct rating numbers. And in the Marine Corps, PFT is a huge part of it. Physical fitness. Army as well. Yeah. yeah. So you have a biological male <laughs> who's now competing against females for a PT score. Well, you know, you're going to max that PT score because their scale so much lower. I think. Right. I think when I, you know, got out, my minimum push-ups for two minutes was 42. I think the female was like 13 or 18, right. something like that. Right. Right. And so, one, you just now it just shifted the entire promotion scale and going to schools and everything for the entire military. But on top of that, they start talking about um, your analysis. So when we have to go and take a piss test, um, you know, I'm sure it's probably similar in the Marine Corps, but when you go go to take a piss test in the Army, you're standing there at the urinal or the toilet. In front of somebody. And you've got an NCO standing right next to you watching you do your business, right? So the thing is, is if you're a biological male who's transitioned to being a female, you can go to your company commander and say, I don't feel comfortable with that male watching me use the restroom. And you can request either that the company commander, first sergeant, or someone else, someone else, monitor you. So I, you know, me being me, I speak up and I say, so you're telling me, and then, you know, the battalion commander's right there. So you're telling me that you're going to allow biological males to compete on a different scale in PT for promotions and all that, schools and all that. And not only that, but you're going to force another gender or someone who's not in that job to watch during your analysis. So this, let me get this straight in this crazy world we live in called the army, right? Where your mission is number one, right? You should be preparing to go down range and defend your country. You're now telling me all this nonsense. So that was one of the biggest, um, 
turning points in my views towards the army. When was this? Uh, this was 2017. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm stunned with what's happened, and I know what's going on, and I, I know there's a bit of it going on in the Marine Corps as well. I don't know how much, but I'm just blown away at the – and you know what it is? You know, we saw it. Did you watch that uh, Netflix documentary about, uh, maybe it was Netflix or Hulu or one of those streaming services about Eddie Gallagher? No. The Navy SEAL? No. I, I don't watch Are you watch familiar it. with the story? Uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, and no, I'm not. Maybe I am familiar with the story, but. Quick wrap up. Ten tours, Navy SEAL, maybe a, a kind of a little bit, maybe a little small man's complex, you know, a little rough on his guys. Um, gets a young um, platoon of SEALs to go over for like his 10th tour or 11th tour and the vast majority of them are new guys they're on their first tour he goes over they get into a firefight there's a 14 year old who was involved in the firefight firefight settles down enemy is departing he wants to go in chase and not fight these guys again tomorrow on equal footing he wants to go get them now they're starting to provide medical uh, treatment to this 14 year old and he he stabs the guy in the neck it's just yeah enough problems here let's go back on the mission and then there was a big trial about yeah, it and this then, is the guy that trump pardoned right and then trump pardoned. yeah 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 okay so yes i am familiar very familiar with the story so you, there's this you know and i i have a bunch of friends who were seals as well and we, i talked and you know there's this kind of split in the community from the young guys who've been wokeity woked in college and everywhere else jumping into this community that has the guys that are a little bit younger than me, but who are seasoned cadre who've got lots of combat experience and how the teams run. And there's this culture war going on in the tier one community. And they had all kinds of issues there. The military's got this culture going on too, because the leadership all come from wokeity woke colleges. Yes. There's no way for it to not affect the leadership. Yeah. And it filters down. It's, it's, it's destructive and it's toxic. Yeah, it's toxic. I think it's destroying our military. It absolutely is, but it's a it's a microcosm of what's going on in our country. Right. And so, yeah, it's absolutely destroying the military. Like I mentioned, we have one mission as a military, to defend this country and the Constitution right. of the United States. Crush the enemy. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Point blank. And if you're not there for that, you shouldn't be in the military. Yeah, I don't I honestly don't get it. And if somebody says, "Well, I'm gay and I want to serve." Okay. Wear a uniform, go in the right bathroom, do your thing. I don't know why we're doing all of this wokeity woke bullshit, though. Well, it is, it, we, it's we've allowed it. I mean, we've allowed it, and it's it's just, uh, you know, I I I watched your podcast. I I've educated myself on you know different topics and things that you've and different people you've talked to. So I came in here educated. It's what an army interrogator should do, right? We, mm-hmm. I did my did my preparation. Always do your homework. So anyway, I, I was watching that, so I kind of have a feel for some of the things you talked about, and um. We have to really start holding ourselves in check. We have to say, okay, where are we at? And we have to start peeling back. We have to start doing addition by subtraction in this country. And I mean quick, uh, because we're going down a, a slippery slope that's going to end America if we're not careful. You know, I see, uh, as I've had all these conversations with folks running, and we're going to dive more into your um, Look, I'm going to hit the big topics with you, which we probably have a pretty good idea where you stand on those if you're running uh, on the conservative ticket. Um, I would probably know where you are in the majority of those because you can't run if you aren't in that, in, in you know, checking off the columns the right way. Um, there's a bunch of nuance, but I think uh, I've kind of come to this 
res this observation that everything about our country is correct everything about our legal system is right everything about our constitution is perfect um we need way less laws than we have and we need to start holding people accountable we have no accountability none it's it's like monkeys are running the zoo right now and it's been this way for decades and generations when is the last time you heard of somebody leaving Okay, what happens to a private in the army who loses his M16? <laughs> they go to jail. That actually happened in Afghanistan. Uh, one of our what happened? Uh, one of our security. Well, actually, he didn't go to jail. One of our security guys went to use the uh, latrine at night. Went to a poor John and left his rifle in the poor John. The next day, it was found by a local national who was on uh, who was there cleaning out the poor Johns, and the the local national immediately turned it into his military supervisor. Um, but yeah, that's, it's not a good day. Like it's, in the Marine Corps, you go to the brig. Yeah. It's not a good day. Okay. Um, we left billions of dollars of equipment and nobody lost a job. Nobody got laid off. Nobody got reprimanded. Nothing. Well, you, Washington DC, you're absolutely right. Washington DC, DC has no accountability. There's no accountability. And so it goes past that. Not only is it no accountability, but you have no recourse. You have no recourse against a federal government, a, ty a tyrannical federal government. You cannot sue them. Right. You cannot tell them, no, you're not going to shut down my business. They will put you in jail and enforce it at the end of a gun if you don't comply. Right. And if you don't believe me, look at the 26,000 troops they deployed to Washington, D.C. to police Americans. Keep them out of their capital. I think our government has lost its way badly. I, um, I'm revolutionary in my thinking now. January 6th, I was not... I, you know, that wasn't even on my radar when they, you know, when a hundred people with goofy hats went running through and broke some windows and took selfies up at the podium, I didn't give two shits about that. And what I think what scared them really is that if Trump would have said, let's burn this place to the ground, we know it's wrong. It would have happened. He didn't do it. I'm I'm like that radical. I'm like they didn't do anything. There was no January six. That January six was a beer fart in a windstorm. Caught the, caught the kids smoking pot in the uh, basement while we were away on vacation. That's what that amounted to me. It was nothing. Yeah. I'm like you ask me what I think ought to happen in this country right now, and I love this country to my core. Uh, I cry thinking about our country. I cry. I see a flag go up. I get teary-eyed. I hear the national anthem. I, I have to be quiet. Yep. My kids know. I bet you still stand at attention, don't you? Oh, yeah. I can't help yeah. it. And my kids do. And my kids know, like, uh, don't mess with Dad. He's choked up right now. Yeah. And I don't even have to be. My lip doesn't even need to be quiver. And they know if the national anthem playing, just shh, don't say anything. And I am so mad about what's happened, not only in the election, as the facts come out on what happened in the election, as the... Uh, the observable reality we all saw got top turned on its head, and then we were all told it was a lie. Oh, this is the, this is the best, cleanest, most honest, most accurate ever in fucking possible. So how you look like you have the same almost re revolutionary thoughts in your eyes. Because as I'm saying it, I see the look on your face and your body posture. What do you do going to Congress with this level of, I mean, I'm, if I went to Congress right now, um, I, I wouldn't want to be on any committee. I wouldn't care about being a part of any group. I would be there to use the bully pulpit and call them out for the BS. So we are 
you talk about revolutionaries and you can see the look in my eye. I mean, I'm, I'm getting a smile on my face hearing you talk. Um, I'm truly someone who thinks that our government needs to be reformed to the purest, purest standard. And you were talking about accountability and, and everything back then in the military, we have standards. We should have one standard for our government and that's the truth. And if it doesn't fit into that, then you need to reduce everything down to it. And so, uh, you know, when you're talking about this, what do I do when I go into Congress? So you don't want to tell the enemy, you know, Trump's like, look, I'm not going to tell the enemy my plan before I go sure. to war with them. That's sure. not what I'm going to do. But I will tell you this. I am going to establish a staff. I'm going to hire a staff of the most kick-ass intelligence professionals that I've met through my career. We're going to go to Washington, D.C., and we are going to work on just what you said, getting rid of corruption. And it's not going to be just the pulpit. It's not just going to be sounding off because that's part of it. But when you're fighting, look, my wheelhouse is counterinsurgency operations. When you're fighting an enemy, you know, you, there's multifaceted prongs of attack. You know, they're multi, you have to go at it from multiple different angles. And sometimes you have to be able to sit across. Look, I used to sit in front of enemy combatants as close as we are or closer. Right. And they just shot at American troops or they just set off an IED. And I have to sit across from them and make them think that I'm their best friend. So can I go to Washington, D.C. and, you know, uh, make inroads and, and, and make people feel as though that I'm there to, you know, do an agenda? Sure, absolutely. I'm there for one thing. That's to make sure this country continues to be the greatest country the world has ever seen, to make sure that we protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that the purpose, the stated purpose of government is enshrined, is to protect life, liberty, and property of American citizens. That's it. That's the truth. That's the standard. Life, liberty, and property of American citizens. Um, I'll tell you right now, I've got something going on. You know, we have our FFL, and... Uh... They came in and did a review of our FFL and decided they're going to revoke our FFL over some just clerical uh, transposition of numbers and such. Um, so I'm getting ready to battle with the ATF. I've had it for seven years. We've done, you know, thousands of transactions, um, every single one of them with good faith, goodwill, and uh, the best of intentions and no porosity to our controlled products and uh, they basically just summarily said, you have 15 days to respond. We're going to revoke your FFL. Um, I'm not some gun show guy, you know, running stuff out of the trunk of my car. And some of those guys were legit. And I know they spent years kind of purging the, the roles. They're kind of coming after me. I'm, I'm not sure what the, what the drive is behind it, you know. Um, the federal government has gotten, you take the Department of Education. They're out of control. They are not doing anything to help our children. Take the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Well, they oversaw the great lie of smoking. They were there. They were in charge while it happened. So alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. They were there for the rise of tobacco. They were part of the colluding lie of it, right? Um, firearms. How are they in charge of firearms? They'd have to give them a job because they couldn't get, close them down after prohibition ended? You know, they were formed to help manage prohibition, right? Why are they still there? Let's talk about HHS. Let's talk about uh, right. vaccinations. Let's talk about kickbacks yeah. and the tune of millions of dollars that Anthony Fauci and all these government workers get from pharmaceutical companies. Let's go back to the let's go back to the ATF. Let's uh, the you know, here's a here's my stance. Uh, they're unconstitutional. 
and they should be abolished. Period. I agree. Period. So I think I think we're we have some kindred thoughts on some stuff. How do you step into this body without you know, people say to me sometimes, they go, you know, my dad calls me up and he's off the rails. He's been watching the news or something. And my dad's like, my father, and, you know, he's really worked up. He's like, God damn it, kid, what the fuck are we going to do? I say, hey, it's going to be okay, dad. He says, there's never been any worse time. I go, hey, listen, in 1863, we were lined up thousands of each other across from each other in, in fields across, you know, the entire eastern part of the United States shooting each other by the thousands. It's been worse before. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be okay. But I'm trying to figure out between Shiloh and Gettysburg and where we are right now, there's some place in the middle where we maybe don't have to line up our citizens and kill a quarter million of each other. Maybe there isn't. What's the place in the middle where we can affect change? Because we play whack-a-mole. You know, I, I, everyone's like, Greg, you going to run for Congress? You can run for Senate? No, I'm not going to play whack-a-mole. No interest. Waste of my life energy. How do you go there and affect correction people want change i don't want change i want correction well i don't need more laws i don't need them in for i need to do what it says just do what it says this all works what what well, how do you do it have you i mean you must have thought it through because you're sitting there committing your whole being to this absolutely 100%. i'm a spectator i'm a spectator at this point yeah. so so how do you do the effecting of change how do you call people out how do we get pelosi out of there i don't care about her uh, tart of dyskinesia and the fucking goofy look on her face and her dumb action how do we get rid of these self-enriching people who are insider trading and selling our country off to china that's what's gone on in the last 35 years so we have to return to that one standard and it's the truth and here's the truth and this is me included we as the american people have allowed this to happen we can talk about change in washington dc all we want we can talk about getting Nancy Pelosi out of there. We can talk about term limits and, and all that, which I'm not um, necessarily a fan of. I'm not practice either. I'm not and, a fan and, of it all. In spirit. But what we have to talk about is the truth. We, the American people, have advocated our authority over the government. We have handed over what makes us special as a republic because we're no longer a republic. We are not. We are a socialist country right now. Especially since 1913, I believe it, and yep, I believe that with as the well. with the implementation implementation of the income tax. So the 16th and 17th amendments made us into a socialist country. 16th amendment is the income tax, so that's what allows the federal government to basically make every single man, woman, child, citizen a slave in this country. The government now has the ability to not just take your money, but they're taxing your time. Right. So when you're here, when That's you're stealing your out, life, yeah, they are, you are a slave. And I, I don't, I don't say that in, in some dual meaning. I mean, you are a slave to the U S government. They own you. And so, um, not only that, but then we have the 17th amendment that comes along and that is the popular election of senators. So now we, you know, we have the two year representative, which is what I'm running for the U S house. And then we have a U.S. senator, which used to be elected by the state legislatures. So the state would get together and they would elect two senators to go represent them in Washington. But the 17th Amendment comes along and says, now we're going to let the people elect the senators. So now you have a two-year representative and a six-year representative. And it destroyed the checks and balances that made us a republic. Because as you know, for budgets and spending and all the bills, they originate in the House of Representatives. So the people would say to their representatives... I want this bill. 
this is what I want. The representative would take it. They would go to the House. They would form the bill. They would kick it over to the Senate. The Senate, the two senators making up 100, would say, okay, we as the state, we fund the federal government because we send them our money to fund the programs that, that gets voted in. We can't afford that, or we can't afford that. And so the senators were a check on the lower chamber, the House, the people, saying, okay, well, the state can't afford this, or they can. And then it would go to the federal government or to the executive branch to be signed and, and everything. But we lost all that when because it used to be if a senator did not vote the way their state wanted them to, they could yank you out of office and replace you. But now you have a socialist country, you have mob rule, and we here in Arizona, um, when we have uh, issues put on the ballot for direct voting, it bypasses our legislature and is pure mob rule. And so, yeah, I, I the, the, you know, you bring up something that's so funny. It pisses me off when I, you know, uh, okay, so I had the mandatory sick sick pay crammed down my throat a few years ago, like every other business owner. Now I had already had all kinds of pay and perks built in because I was competing in the marketplace. I have to have this stuff or people won't work here. And then everybody voted on uh, a Tuesday that I had to add an extra week of mandatory sick pay, which I'm, you know, liable for now. And it's a huge accounting mess. And it was the mob. It was my employees. They, they all went out and voted. that, And it was a free week. I had to give a free week to everybody. Yeah. One fifty second of my productivity a year. Yeah, I mean, the, these direct the direct democracy thing is it's a lie. It is uh, it, because we know it is a failure. It ruined ancient Greece. It ruined ancient Rome. Um, we're not supposed to have direct democracy. No, we're we were founded as a constitutional republic because the mob will just take. Yeah, human it, uh, greed will take over. Right. Human nature will take over. And it was meant to be a check. The system is meant to be a check to human group think. Look, I've been, in, I've been in politics now for a little bit, okay? Not a long time, but a little bit. And I've observed. And everyone likes to get out there, and you hear every politician. It doesn't matter if they're running for a state office or a federal office. Oh, the, we need to follow the Constitution. Oh, what, what Constitution? Because, you know, you have state candidates. Well, we need to follow the Constitution. Well, the U.S. Constitution or the Arizona Constitution that you're running for? And then everyone likes to quote, you'll, you'll know this quote, it's a republic if you can keep it. Right. right. Every politician, oh, they like to get out there and quote Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Paine and all these great patriots and everything. It's a republic if you can keep it. And they like to say, well, you know, that's, that's us rising up. That's Except the we power. already lost it. Yeah, you've already lost it, but you didn't know what you had. You didn't know what you had. It's 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 something that you've never experienced. You've never experienced pure freedom. You've had the boot of tyranny on your neck for so long that you're conditioned. You're a you're an abused dog that's just said this is all I've ever known my entire life. I don't know what real freedom is. I don't remember real gra grass under my feet, you know, and being able to go work as hard as I want and provide for my family and teach them the way I want to. You want to get CRT out of school? out of schools don't go to your government government's the problem they put it since, there yeah since the department of education right you know test scores have not gone up significantly at all for the no, billions of down. dollars yeah and every demographic except one asians right but when you look at that you know it's it's we're so conditioned to just accept oh please let me have this you know you know and you know it's not our fault 
we it's all we know we we don't read about how great and free we used to be and now we're begging organizations like the atf or you know something oh can i please have this permit so i can do business uh, please don't throw me in jail please don't take everything i've ever owned please don't persecute me and my kind for this i mean it's so, so disgusting. You, you sound very originalist which is absolutely radical and it's a long way from temporary and so um if you're running for office now in this modern era uh, you know, short of the revolution that would be required to get there because it, I can sit here with you all day long and tell you it ain't going to happen. They're not going to undo. <clears throat> they're not going to undo what they've been doing. How, what's the... Do you pick some wins, some low-hanging fruit? Like, hey, I can go after this and I can get these. Absolutely. Absolutely you do. You, you go after the low-hanging fruit, but there's only one thing that solves this problem. One thing, and that's education. Education is the only way we get out of this. Even if we fought another war, I mean, you, you see people on both sides of the argument. Oh, look at me! I'm I'm right. You know, I I can bend the Constitution to. You, you see Republicans and Democrats do it. The Democrats will say, "Well, the General Welfare Clause allows us to spend money on any program we want because you know this is what the Constitution says." But then you'll have Republicans saying, "Well, I can take the Constitution and I can make it apply here because you know this is what the Constitution says." No. It's not. And I heard him talking about sensible gun laws the last couple of days. Oh Republicans gosh. as well. How about sensible gun laws? No gun laws. Period. Right. Shall not be infringed. But it's not, it's not, it goes past that, right? It's not just no gun laws. It's like, don't ever think about gun laws. Don't ever talk about gun laws. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it, you know? And so we've got to, we got to this point now where we're talking about sensible gun laws. I put a post up on Facebook the other day. Uh, we had this tragedy in Texas where 19 kids were killed. And uh, there's more details coming out about that that's disturbing. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, immediately Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, all the Democrats, uh, they start calling for. And Mitch McConnell. Oh, Mitch McConnell. And Lindsey Graham. And Lindsey Graham. And, you know. Um, the Uniparty. Right of here, phony conservatives. Right here in Arizona, Doug Ducey has talked, has supported about talking red flag, uh, red flag laws. I think he should um, go fucking fill ice cream cones yeah, up with ice cream. Dan Crenshaw in Texas. Look, look, I'm not just because you're in the service, just because you're a SEAL, you're not safeguarded from this. No, you talk about red flag laws, floating the idea of of those. I, I'm I'm not on that side. Sorry, man. You know, thank you for your service. No thanks. Don't ever bring it up again. Right. So. It's education. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that's going to correct this, because you can have that civil war, which is war is awful. War is no one wants it, and everyone thinks they do. They like to watch movies and play video games, and they get all hyped up, and they're like, "Oh man, I could go out there and really." No, when you have when you have automatic machine gun fire going over your head, suppressive fire, and then you have a maneuver unit come in and you know just wipe you out from the side as we're shifting fire, you're never going to see it coming. And everyone that watched that, when we publicize it, it's going to go everywhere in the media and every single video game hero is going to run with their tail tucked between their legs because they have no damn idea what war is. It's hell. Right. So, I mean, even if that happens, there's no winner. And even if it happens and your side wins, you don't know what everyone else on your side wants, what they believe. Are they educated? Are they originalists? Do they know, have they read the Federalist Papers? Have they read the Anti-Federalist Papers? Do they know why the Constitution was created? Do they know their natural rights? Do they know that John Locke talked about natural rights, rights from God? Um, and, and most people don't. And what I, what you should ask every single candidate running for office, what is the stated purpose of government? 
What is the stated purpose of government? If they don't immediately tell you to protect life, liberty, and property, they are not worth their salt. Well, you have a clearly originalist view of things, and I do as well. Um, you know, I, I always say to people, hey, before you start the revolution, shut down the Department of Education. See if you can do that. It's one department. Before you, st before you start the revolution, shut down the ATF. Shut down the FBI. I'd shut down the FBI. I'm, I'm disgusted with the FBI. As I've been watching this uh, Michael Sussman trial, um, what the FBI has done and colluded to do in Washington, D.C. And you know what? It's not just the leadership. It's the whole damn rank and file, top to bottom, in my opinion. But we knew this. Peter it's, Strzok and Lisa Page, we've known this. You know, Sussman and all that. You know, someone someone tweeted about that. Oh, look, this brutal. But years ago, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok proved that the upper echelons, the leadership of the FBI, was colluding to take down an elected American president. Right. I don't give a sh I don't give a shit about all the other cannon fodder out there. I don't care. Michael Sussman is just another, just another rabbit hole to mm -hmm. lead you down. I don't care. Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, all these people. And it goes back before them. It goes back to Woodrow Wilson. It goes back before him. You know, one of the best presidents we've ever had that you never heard of is Coolidge. Why? Because he didn't want to go run your life. All these people are running and ruining your lives intentionally to enrich themselves. Yeah. You want to know what to do? Go educate yourself on why this country was founded how it was founded, what it stands for, and fight for your rights. You start talking about jury nullification. You start talking about getting rid of unconstitutional laws, programs, and departments. You put a sunset clause on them, and you don't ever negotiate them. You put a sunset clause on them, and you let them go away immediately. You don't sit there and say, oh, well, if you give me this money and all this, no. Get rid of it immediately. You get rid of the 16th and 17th Amendments. Did you know, and I'm sure you do, but for your listeners, when the Constitution was written, we had one representative in the House of Representatives for every 30,000, every 30,000 people. Right now, we have one representative for approximately 970,000 people. And it was a constitutional amendment that allowed to cap the number at 435 representatives. That's bullshit. We should have roughly 11,600 and some odd representatives right now people are like well nothing nothing would ever get done i can guarantee you no one it would it would be a lot harder to trample on our rights and our freedoms and our liberties but you're still going to need either the 50 plus one or the two-thirds vote to pass things so this argument about we can't have 11,600 and some odd representatives is horseshit i mean we need to return to those principles because they were there for a reason that document was divinely inspired those men were divine they had divine protection and women there were women in my you know so i've taught civics classes and uh there were plenty of women uh elizabeth powell for example elizabeth powell um most people have never even heard of her but uh, she basically saved this country. And um, back when the country was founded, women didn't have the right to vote, right? So what did Elizabeth Powell do? She was very wealthy. She knew all the men who founded this country. She would host dinner parties, have them over to her house, and she would listen to the men who were founding this country. And she would, she would ask them, okay, what's happening here? Why are you doing this? What are we looking at? And so um, when George Washington went and he served his first term as president, he was getting, that term was almost over, and Elizabeth Powell wrote him a five-page letter, which is, I believe, at the um, museum in Mount Vernon. Uh, but she wrote him a five-page letter, and she said, Sir, if you do not run for a second term, the republic will not exist. It will not last. You have to run, or everything that we fought for and bled for is going to fall apart. And she wrote this five-page letter convincing the most powerful man in the world 
who turned down being king to run for a second term when he said he didn't want to. And, and he, it's, he's it's such an enig enigmatic figure, and what a stroke of luck that he seemed to be sterile and didn't have any uh, offspring, because imagine what it would have been like if he had four sons. Well, you what, know, what, you know an, an amazing guy who basically was trying to backpedal out of power every time it got handed every to him. Every opportunity. I just want to go back to Mount Fur and hang out with my wife and make whiskey. I mean, <laughs> he wanted to go run his operation. Here's, no, here's an interesting stat. Do you know how many people were in George Washington's cabinet? In his four. cabinet? Four. Yeah. Four people. And two of them hated each other, and Andrew Jackson and Thomas Jefferson. Right. So... I mean, it was such a different country. Oh, you got to have all these government programs. You got to have all this bureaucracy. You got to have all these departments, the ATF, don't the Department of Education. You don't need any of it. No. And, and you know, Trump pissed everybody off because he ran with a small staff and he could still get it all done. Yeah. And he could have done 100 times more if there wouldn't have been a war going on against him. Well, there's a war going on against us every day. Mm -hmm. He just brought it to light. He just shined some light on it saying, it hey, look over here. You know, things aren't as you think. You know, I piss everybody off constantly because I say what's on my mind. And, and you know, uh, uh, for the last couple of years, I'd be like, hey, I'll tell you what. Why don't you stick to injecting the dog with the uh, medication? You worry about my, you let me worry about my mask. I, I don't have vet techs tell me what to do. And you know what? Um, I, you, you, you bag that food up. I'll wait out here. You don't get to tell me what to do. Um, and at government buildings, I'd say, no, you call the police. You guys put a gun to my head and drag me out of here. I'm not wearing a mask. Fuck you guys. And it drove everyone crazy. And I drove my family kind of crazy with it because I walk around pretty free and I just will not be infringed upon by people. I had the police call to me so many times you wouldn't believe it. And I was just reading and I, and then I heard a story on NPR of all things. They were talking about how children have lost their respect for their familial uh, power figures, authority figures, because, they, because they've seen the Starbucks kid tell them to put their mask on for the last two years. Uh, and everyone just complies like a bunch of sheep. It goes way beyond that. How about the attack on fathers? How about the attack on the head of the household? So I know in Cochise County, where I live, uh, their gay pride day, do you, you want to take a stab at what day that, that's on? Oh, no. Tell me it's not a President's Day or Father's Day. Father's Day. Father's Day. And look, here, here's the thing. I am an originalist, and I really don't care what your sexual preference is. I don't care. Yeah, me neither. And when, it comes to, and when it comes to the government and marriage, I don't believe that the government should be in marriage at all. At right. all. Government shouldn't be in the marriage not, business not at all. Not at right. all. Right. They should be in you the business. You shouldn't be telling me. You shouldn't tell them they can't get in, married any more than you should be telling me that I'm actually married. Contract arbitration. That's it. Uh, outside of that, they shouldn't be in that. It should be a church. If you can find right. a church or a synagogue or a temple or whatever it is that will marry a man and a man, a woman and a woman, go knock yourself out. Okay? Um, I, I don't care. It shouldn't be a function of government, whatever. But by promoting it, by forcing it down our throats. Yep. And now everyone's like, oh, well, you know, the uh, the the CRT and all the stuff that's in our schools and the sexualization and the transgender and all this, it all started bef way before that. Um, go Google um, Yuri Bezmenov. Um, it, he did an hour-long speech. Uh, he was a KGB defector, and he gave a speech in California, I believe, in like 1983. And uh, it's about an hour long, and they talk about Russian subversion and how they were going to destroy America without firing a shot. 
And um, you can see how they used our own governmental system to dismantle us. And uh, so, again, it's, it's, you, you have one standard, and it's the truth, that my rights are unlimited until they start to infringe upon yours. That's it. That is basic. And we as Republicans, right, we like to say, oh, well, you know, we need more of this. We need more laws. We need more enforcement of laws. No, we don't. We don't need more of that because you know what? My, my grandfather was a state trooper for over 30 years. I love police officers. They're great men and women that put on the uniform. But when you tell them they've got to go and enforce unconstitutional laws, what are you doing? I mean, right. now you're creating a conflict there, right? Right. And so there's so much. Like I started out this show. We need addition by subtraction, and we need it fast. We have to start peeling back those layers. Talk to me about your campaign. So, who are you uh, pri primarily running against? Uh, you're so, in the you're in the primary right yeah, now. Okay, we're in a so primary. who are you running against? So, I have a five way primary right now. Uh, let me back up and say I. So, I'm now running in CD six, which last election cycle, 2020, was CD two. I was the GOP nominee in 2020. I was endorsed by President Trump. I was endorsed by Mike Pence. I was endorsed by Huck Pack. I was endorsed by Arizona Free Enterprise Club. I was endorsed by the National Right to Life. I had 170,000 people vote for me in the general election. And somehow my opponent, Ann Kirkpatrick, who never campaigned, who was uh, an alcoholic, who is an alcoholic, fell down, hurt herself in D.C., entered rehab, never campaigned, somehow set an all-time record in votes in that district with 209,000. Impossible. Impossible. It didn't happen. I know it didn't happen. So I know what we did. We hit 60,000 doors. We did over 100,000 phone calls. We did over 150,000 text messages. We did three mailers to swing independent voters. I know what we did. She was not there. She couldn't, she was physically unwell. She would not debate me. I was on Twitter every single day. And when are you going to debate? And I wasn't just saying, Ann, I was tagging her. Like I was, you know, it, it showed up blue. It linked blue. And when are you going to debate? I called Arizona PBS. When are you going to debate? When are you going to debate? PBS, why aren't you forcing her to debate? I talked to all the local media. I mean, I called some of the liberal reporters in Tucson, Arizona. Why are you not? calling out they're Andrew scared Patrick. shitless of guys like us and they don't want us anywhere near the, the system. republican party is scared of course of they are because we call them out absolutely. they're the uniparty absolutely it's a it's an establishment game and you know i know on previous shows you've talked about campaign finance reform there's so much I, we could literally talk for i think a week when i hear when you look i i i got into a nasty fight with john mccain years ago when the McCain fine golfing happened. And I said, under the guise of campaign finance reform, you've let the fox into the hen house here. I he did it on purpose. I can't believe this. Yeah, of course he did. No, he didn't he didn't let the fox in. He, he, he put brought the him fox in. in. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, it was done intentionally. Campaign so <laughs> you know, the the whole thing is is the system is rigged. Look, here here's all you need to know. The congressional approval rating over the last 10 years has averaged 13%. Over the last 10 years, they get elected at a 90% rate. Re in re-election. Yeah, yeah re-elected incumbents over 90%. So someone who has a body that has a 13% approval rating average over 10 years gets re-elected at over 90% over the same 10 years. I think they're lying. I think there's a how could, how I think there's a Tuesday every two years, and they're lying through their teeth, and it's part of the machine. 
there's a lot going on and there's a lot that we and my team when we get to washington dc there's a lot that we're going to do i mean it's going to be a full-scale operation and i'll tell you the number one thing i'm going to do is constituent services i will have a team in the district that will help with constituent services because constituent services outside of finance is what gets you reelected. people being happy with you oh can i go down to my representative's office and can they tell me where the local VA or whatever and help me navigate that but me and my team in Washington DC are going to be doing an operation I mean and it's it's going to be you know a very very time consuming task but we are going to go through rooting out corruption well I hope you do I hope you do um I'm it makes me sick to my stomach um the more that I am in these conversations and the more people I talk to and the know and you know I have these conversations here that are like the world can poke their nose in and see when I step out into that room the stuff I hear in that room next to here after a show um it's blood curdling you know here's the thing um and we and we can't even I'm self I am self uh censoring right now so much because I'll get blocked from everything, no questions asked. So here's here's the thing. I'm a Christian, and I'm unashamed. I'm a Christian. I uh, profess my faith, and um, I believe that everyone is a sinner. Every single man, woman, and child is a sinner. So I can sit out here, and I can, I'll say, you know what? I have my flaws as a human being. Everyone does. But I can tell you that I know people who conservatives think are good people i'm like you know what maybe they are good people but they still do things that infringe on your rights like dan crenshaw i gotta bring him up again he's a perfect example look love the man for what he did for our country thank you for putting on that uniform you operated at a high level you paid a price for it physically and right. i guarantee you emotionally but at the same time take your gun laws don't and shove yeah, them up your ass shove them up your ass don't bring it don't I even know. look at it. don't touch it i know i'm like stop freaking compromising because halfway from halfway from plumbed stupid is just really dumb there are people who i can tell you are seen as her who put up on a pedestal and worshiped in the conservative movement where i i could i could say look here's x y and z of why they're promoting themselves and they're they're standing on you to do it they're no different than the Washington elite mm -hmm. who are up there. They're looking, th look, go to their Facebook pages. Look, I mean, look, right. look, look behind the curtain a little right, bit. Right. You know, and I don't begrudge people for that. Well, this, this MAGA thing and this President Trump, it, it has cast a light into the darkness. And there is a generation of pissed off, non rhino, re republic people, republic oriented civil. Thomas People. Massey should be the Speaker of the House. Republican from Kentucky. Thomas Massey should be the Speaker of the House. Yep, I know who you're talking about. 100%. It damn sure should not be this guy, uh, the minority leader there, Kevin, oh, no. Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, no. It absolutely shouldn't be him. No. And their little way for how they've selected him and how he's the next anointed one yeah. is bizarre. You know why? Because outside of Trump, he's the biggest fundraiser the Republican Party's ever seen. He's pulled in millions of dollars, record numbers in fundraising, hmm. record numbers in fundraising. And he did it off Trump's back. Good for him. Hey, good on him. You know, he put a he put a little picture of him and Trump there and said, I'm pro Trump and and everything and, you know, put it out there. 
It's like Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell played ball. Mitch McConnell, I guarantee you, said, look, if he wanted to, Mitch McConnell could have shut down everything that President Trump wanted to do. He had the Senate. He could have shut down everything. But I, I bet there was a meeting where they said, you know what? We probably have a lot of differences. Let's put over 200 judges on federal courts. And so uh, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people don't see. There's a lot of corruption. Um, and so we we really just have to start stripping government of power. I think it's more corrupt than, than good. And I think oh, it's yeah. a big margin. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And it's a huge margin. I would say it's 80% is corrupt to 20% right action. So I'm sure you've heard this term like every other person who's ever heard of American politics drain the swamp. Yeah. What's everyone's answer to draining the swamp? Elect this guy or this gal. These are the people you need to send to Washington to fight for you. Right. So I actually put a plan forward to actually drain the swamp. We have stuff that was not available to the, the founders of this country. And you have to be careful when you even say stuff like that. But we have, when I worked in the command group on Fort Huachuca, we have internet protocols where we can hold meetings over the internet, VoIP. And we can do things that we couldn't do 200 years ago. Right. Um, I, I've actually put forward a plan to actually drain the swamp. Send the representatives back to their districts. Forget about term limits. Let's return to one representative for every 30,000 people. Send the representatives back to live in their districts where you can vote and you can come up with some sort of system where the representatives go to Washington, D.C. four to six times a year to vote on budgets and things like Maybe that. Maybe they don't need to go to Washington, D.C. That's my because point. Because that, that is a corrupt place. Drain the swamp. Because right. what happens, right? They get there and all the lobbyists. The and place all the, takes you over. But if you took all the people that they're trying to yeah. lobby away from one yeah. place, Exactly. Where does the lobbyists yeah, go? Yeah, where they go? They're going to then send four hundred. Becomes or, whack a mole for them. Yeah. Then do you send four hundred and thirty-five? Now you need four hundred thirty-five million dollar year lobbyists. How about this? If you return to eleven thousand six hundred representatives, there's no way. I mean, right? They couldn't lobby enough people. There aren't enough days. Exactly. In the year. They wouldn't. Huh, be able you know, to it's do pretty it. fascinating. I like it. It's kind of a big number play. Drain the swamp. Don't don't send good water into bad. Drain the swamp. If your candidate is not talking about dismantling corrupt government, they're not a worthy candidate. They're sitting there telling you how great their ideas are. And, oh, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to convince them because I'm going to go to the Republican clubhouse and I'm going to have dinner or drink down in the basement and I'm going to rub elbows with all the right people. And, you know, there is an element of that. But if at some point they don't say we need to dismantle the corruption, they're not worthy. Who are you running against? So I've got four other opponents. Uh, I don't like to mention their names because it's their job to campaign. It's not my job to campaign for them. Uh, I'll tell you I'm running against an establishment candidate. Oh, hold on a second. Hey, Bobby, am I, have we had in any of his opponents? No, one's coming in, I think, in two weeks. Okay. That's why I was asking. Yeah. No, so um, I'm, I'm running against one establishment opponent who is funded by a bunch of never-Trumpers. Um, you know, the people who actually, the McCain's, the Bidwell's, the, you know, and, oh, Brandon, what'd you just say? The owners of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Arizona, and the owners of the Arizona Cardinals are never Trumpers and fund establishment candidates? Oh, no. <laughs> you know. So, uh, hey, did you grow up here? No, I grew up in southern Indiana working on uh, farms. I used to pick strawberries, cut and hang tobacco. I came out here to, to Fort Huachuca, fell in love with it when I went through training, Got offered a job after my time in Afghanistan, so 
I've been here ever since. Start a family. I love it. I love Sierra Vista. Uh, if you're conservative and you're looking to escape your um, communist hellhole, uh, you can come down and visit Sierra Vista, but uh, don't ruin it. <laughs> you know, it's it's, right. a, it's a little haven that uh, that I love. But um, yeah, this is my home. I decided to make it my home, and I, I tell people, you know. Uh, you have a candidate in the race who's running against me. He said, I was born and raised here. I mean, that's great. Look, I think you were born and raised here in Arizona, right? Yeah, but it doesn't qualify you for anything. It's no, like it people doesn't. say, I was a Marine, therefore I'm qualified to be a knife maker. Exactly. Well, not really. Not really. You did a lot of studying. You did a lot of research. You did a lot of networking to figure yeah, out how I to make Yeah, I can tell awesome you right room. now, my time with an M16 and uh, learning how to work a stack into a room and squad maneuvers had nothing to do whatsoever with knife manufacturing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, here's the thing is um, I chose this place and I have an opponent who, you know, he says, I was born and raised here and we need to uh, um, elect one of us to represent us in Washington and all this. And then I'll get up in front of the crowd because, you know, in southern Arizona specifically, we have a huge retirement community because they love the golf courses. They love the climate because it's not as hot as Tucson or Phoenix. So down where I'm at, it's, you know, five to seven degrees cooler than Tucson. And we still have beautiful climate all year round. So um, anyway, you know, he says all this and then I'll get up and I'll speak in front of the same room. Right. And I'll say, OK, do me a favor. Raise your hand if you were born and raised here in the district. Right. Maybe. Ten one, hands up there. No, no, no. Not oh, even. OK. Maybe one or yeah, two. No, I'm a freak, too. I mean, there's not many of us. And then one of my other opponents is Hispanic. And, you know, he talks a lot about bringing the Hispanic vote in and all this stuff, nonsense, plain identity politics, which is a Democrat tactic. So I'll get up in front of the crowd and I'll say, raise your hand if you're an ethnicity other than white. Maybe six hands go up, maybe in a room of like 60 or 70. So you're talking like at the max of these identity politics that they're trying to 10%. play. 10% tops yeah. is the ceiling. Right. You know, the floor is sometimes zero. I mean... So, you know, I get up there and I say, look, I don't play identity politics, but if I did, every one of you should be voting for me, hands down. But, you know, they get up there and they'll tell you how much money they raised or who they know or how many endorsements they've bought. And, oh, you know, I've done this and this and this. And I was like, all right, well, you know, that doesn't necessarily qualify you for anything. Uh, what I know is I've met a lot of great people. I have all the people that, you know, so I won last time. In 2020, I, I raised $100,000 in the primary election, which for a congressional race is not a lot of money. I raised $100,000, and one of my opponents, Tucson businessman, by all accounts, nice guy, puts $250,000 of his own money in from Jump Street. And everybody's anointing him. He gets on the NRCC's young gun list and Washington and everyone. Oh, he's going to win. He's going to win. That that radical, the originalist, Brandon Martin down there in Cochise County, he's not electable. He, you can't, you'll never elect him. And then what happens? I win the primary. And not only do I win Cochise County, but I also win Pima County, where he's from. And I win big. And everyone's, how how's he do it? Well, because I was an Army interrogator. And I took some of the skills that I learned. I had some of my buddies who were former army analysts and we sat down, we broke down the district and we thought outside the political box and we said, where do we need to go? Where are our resources? And we start planning and putting, you know, this, this thing into motion. And, uh, I just had a debate on PBS this last, I think it was last time flies. I think it was last Monday, the previous Monday. Um, my big establishment opponent with all the money didn't show up which I would, have invi I would have advised him the same thing if I were running his campaign because, one, don't go debate an Army interrogator. 
you know, it's just not, you're already behind. And two, if he messes up and says the wrong thing, he just flushed a million dollars down the drain. I mean, it's, it's, it's not worth it. But again, if he doesn't have the internal, the, the internal fortitude, the intestinal fortitude to stand toe to toe with me on a debate stage, what makes you think he'll stand up to the Democrats and the establishment in Washington, DC? Of course. Or the people protesting outside. When exactly. He's trying to vote. Yeah. So, you know, and then we got the other three and kudos to them. They showed up, but they're all first time candidates and they're all novices. And I'll give you the link to the debate so you can link it in the, I don't care, watch it. But they're all stumbling over their words and, uh, 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 and multiple occasions. I agree with Brandon, all of them, all of my opponents. I agree with Brandon, the moderators, but Brandon said, but Brandon said, I could have, I could have, you know, taken the mic and just stood up in front of it and said, here's your public service announcement. Let's get rid of unconstitutional government and let's save America. And that's what should have happened. But, you know, you get all these people, they tell you how good they are, how many connections they have, and and all this. And it's just like, look, I don't have time for you. I, I got to go out and talk to the people who matter, the patriots that are going to save this country. And I'm pretty good at separating the wheat from the chaff. Well, I'm curious to see, uh, and I hope, uh, you know, at this point, I haven't met the other person, but I hope you get elected just to have them talk to you. Um, I'm curious to see how you can uh, affect you know, it's not change. If you, <coughs> here we go. It's not change. It's it's reversion. It's revolution. It's reversion. It's going back. It's undoing. Yeah. There's it's... been a lot of doing, and it needs to be undone. And we've the whole idea about compromise there are things that are you can compromise on and there are other things you can't compromise on major reformation yeah and how do we do that um are there enough self-proclaimed trump version of america maga i mean would you say you're a maga candidate well i am i mean sure and that went on pbs are there enough of them ultra maga candidate you know here's the thing you can't you can't use that as a guide anymore, unfortunately. Look, I love what President Trump did for this country. Mm -hmm. I love the man's, um, you know, makeup and how he took. Look, I going into the 2016 election, I was a Rand Paul supporter. And then at, at one point, I said, he can't win this. Mm -hmm. He cannot win this Republican primary. And then I told my buddy, who used to be a staffer for a congresswoman in Missouri, I told him, I said, you know, I said, Paul, Donald Trump is going to win this election. He said, you're crazy. He said, you're stupid. I mean, this was a kind of early. I said, he's going to win it because I can tell you, I can feel the momentum. It's like the momentum in a football game. You can be down 10 points in the first half, but you can, once that momentum starts to shift, yeah. you feel it. Like your whole, everything about the situation oh. changes. Well, it was a boxing match for me. And uh, you can usually tell uh, in boxing, it's phenomenal. And in tennis, it's the same way as boxing. Ironically, one-on-one -on -one sports where it's all you, there's no excuses, no team strategy. And you see nobody's kick ass the first couple games of a set. You'll see a you'll see a, a McEnroe or an Yvonne Lendl or, or the Federer or one of these guys. You'll see them lose a couple of games to a new guy. And and you're like, oh my God, maybe we're gonna there's a changing of the guard going on. Then by the third game you see the pro hit his groove. The fourth game you see the young guy start to falter. The fifth game breaks six game close and then second set goes all to the pro you see it in boxing 
first couple of rounds, like, oh man, this new guy's going to give him a run for his money. By the third round, you see that neutralized. By the fourth round, you see the you see the uh, pro walk away with it. And uh, that's what I saw going on with Trump. I'm on the record here because I've been doing these shows every day for 12 years. Uh, I'm on the record before Ann Coulter said it. The day he said, oh, that's going to be our... I said, I don't know. He's the guy, though. And I'm with him. I was, I'm an ever-Trumper. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. The second... And, and and he's not my kind of guy. I'm not really a three-piece, spragadocious, big-mouth New York kind of guy. But having gone to school in the Northeast and lived in the Northeast of Massachusetts and been in the belly of the beast, oh. I get that universe yeah so, i thought I, I thought i picked up on that he didn't offend me you know like plain talking construction yeah, grew, guy it doesn't offend that doesn't you offend grew up me. around mass holes i totally did grow around yeah. i was a mass hole i i uh so my, in 2000... my, my buddies would be like don't just don't hit anybody tonight <laughs> <laughs> like we go out like greg just don't hit anybody tonight 2007 to 2009 into 2009 um I stood up a reserve interrogation schoolhouse at Fort Devens, Massachusetts. Oh, really? I've been yeah, at so Fort Devens I, a lot of times. Yeah, so I was up there. Uh, yeah, there was a Marine unit there. There's a Roth, J Roth, or no, an ROTC unit there. And uh, anyway, so yeah, um, I was actually in my spare time. I uh, I started working at the uh, uh, Air Middle School, High School, and I was a substitute teacher and coaching football there with Jamie Lamoro. Uh, it was a great experience. But um, yeah, so it, it's it's like. I understand what you're saying. It, it, you don't have to be exactly like him. It's that American spirit drive. It's that this is the greatest country and we're going to save it. And you latch onto that. It's, it's like when we talked about the opening of the show, when you hear the national anthem play and you get that feeling, you can just feel it. It makes your hair stand up and you're like, oh, yeah, I could go back. You know, I'm old and broke now, but I could go back in there one more time and kick some just ass for a minute. if I have It's to. like that country western song, right? Yeah, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Exactly. I was told somebody, I said, you know, guy sees me walking down the street. He doesn't go, yeah, let's go get into it. That guy, he goes, ah, you know. He might not win a foot race, but I'm gonna lose a couple teeth for that guy. Maybe Just how big a boy are you? Find somebody else. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Do you have anything else you'd kind of like to dive in with? Uh, maybe you'd like to let people know where yeah, they can donate absolutely. your campaign. Brandon for Arizona.com. Brandon for Arizona.com. F O R B R A N D O N. Yes, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> uh b-r-a-n-d-o-n-f-o-r arizona.com yeah okay. absolutely you know for you guys that are around the country and you live in marin county or you live up in boston or you live in outside of cambridge or you're living up in uh, white plains and you know it's just gonna be a democrat race where you're at and you, you don't d donate money you can throw some money um Take half your political money and, and, and throw it out to some of these races out in the provinces. And there's nothing like a border state. Um, this has been the topic now since Trump began running in 2016. Yeah. And we saw our country. You know, the biggest lesson of the Trump presidency is if a leader chooses to lead on a bunch of issues, he did 10 things. He did 10 things a month that would have been an entire presidency. Yeah, absolutely. And he flipped the switch, and the country just turned right on like yeah. a light bulb. Promises made, promises kept. Promises made, promises kept. Let me secure the border. Yeah. Um, let's let's get some energy independence. 
And what we're seeing is a bunch of children who, who have uh, liberal arts degrees who don't understand science cramming some kooky Marxist worldview down our throat, and they're, they're, they're destroying the world right now. They are. And, you know, you, you asked me if there's any other topics I want to get into. I feel like we've been in here like 15, 20 minutes, but I'm sure it's probably closer to like an hour or more. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how long, but um, I wanted to get to the border because as you opened up in the show, you know, I live down in Sierra Vista. I live there. For me, it's ground zero. Uh, out of all the candidates in this race, I'm closest to the border. And um, every single day, every single day, we have smuggling events going on in my county, in my neighborhood. And we have a great sheriff in Cochise County, Sheriff Mark Daniels. And you need to have uh, like a guy like that pick his brain. Like talk to him about what's going on. because Do you have a relationship with him? I do, yeah. Could, could we triangulate, possibly get him on the show? It's I'll call him as soon as I finish the recording. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so he, um, what's happening is, is the drug cartels are using social media apps to recruit <laughs> American teenagers from Sierra Vista, Tucson. Jesus, I heard and, about this. I thought it was County. bullshit. No, from Maricopa County, they're using because uh, they're white kids and no one can do, or they're, no, or they're naturalized they're, citizens. They're, they're brown kids too. Oh, really? But they're American citizens, <laughs> right? And, so they can't be stopped. Well, uh, the thing is, is um, they're offering them anywhere from $1,000 to $3,000 a head to smuggle them across the border. And they're using apps like TikTok and Snapchat uh, to recruit these kids. So a um, couple months ago, uh, here's just this is one of the big stories that kind of kicked off the awareness. Um, but this wait, lady. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So uh, Guatemalan national that wants to come into the United States is paying, uh, instead of a coyote, the coyote is an American kid in a Toyota Corolla or whatever. Right. So the drug cartel. The, the cartels and the traffickers, the coyotes, are hiring American citizens, teenagers, to smuggle uh, people across the border. They come down, they pick them up near the border, they'll flash their headlights to let them know that they're there, and then they pick them up and then they get caught multiple times a day. Multiple times a day this this happens. There's arrests and, de and detentions in Cochise County, Arizona right now. And what are they doing to the um, Americans? Well, uh, if they can find so this is where um, our county sheriff Mark Daniels and our and our county prosecutor Brian McIntyre are doing a great job. If they can find anything that they can prosecute these people on, they're prosecuting them. But a lot of them are minors, and there's a lot of different facets that go into this. But they're trying to educate people. They have a big sign up. Um, if you're familiar with Cochise County, one of my favorite spots, me and my wife, is um, uh, the Coronado, Coronado National Monument, and it overlooks the border and everything. And um, there's a sign right there on the road up to the monument that says uh, smuggle flee smuggle plus flee equals jail like they're they're actively trying to discourage people from doing these activities um, but this one story this lady went out every single year and would have breakfast with her son on her birthday and uh, down in Wachuca City down in Cochise County uh, she was on her way to meet her son she was running a little bit late um, normally they would have taken the same car, but because she was late, they drove separately. Uh, she's going down there. Her son's already at the restaurant and, um, she's going through Mustang corners, a little four way intersection there. And a 16 year old, I believe 16 or 17 year old, um, American citizen from Mesa. Um, he is smuggling illegals across, comes speeding through the intersection. He's in a high speed pursuit, speeds through the intersection at 116 miles an hour, slices her car in half and kills her on her birthday when she's going to meet her son for breakfast. The next day she was retiring from work. This is an American citizen who was killed by 
an American citizen smuggling illegals across the border for a thousand dollars a head. And every single day this is happening. Three weeks ago, I live in a nice little subdivision. It's not fancy, but it's a nice little subdivision. And um, I live on a cul-de-sac. And uh, my daughter, Isabella, she's 10 years old. She asked me, she says, Dad, can I go outside and ride my bike? I said, knowing all the high-speed pursuits and everything that's happening, I'm like, honey, I can't go outside with you right now, so you can't ride your bike today. And she gets mad at me, and they, like kids do when you try to parent them. And so um, anyway, two hours later, after I told her no, there's a high-speed pursuit through my neighborhood at 95 miles an hour. And every single day, we have multiple arrests. And when you have Joe Biden in the White House talking about potentially he had no intention of giving separated families 450,000 US dollars but just by him mentioning it and then the news filtering that out it's a big neon welcome sign right. to every single person around the world who ever even thought or didn't think necessarily about sneaking across our border come on it's open and not only can you take advantage of our welfare system that's been created by democrats you can also potentially get 450,000 US dollars crazy so you know you have a president and I don't say this lightly because you and I both took a lifelong mm. oath, but we have a U.S. president who is subverting the rule of law and who is betraying his country. And I don't, I don't say it lightly, but that's the fact. He's encouraging people to come across our border, break our laws, and hurt and kill American citizens. And to this, to this point this year, I think we've had 23 um, people on the terrorist watch list arrested right. at our southern border. Mm. So. Joe Biden and his administration are encouraging terrorists to come across our border at a higher rate than they probably were beforehand. We went from the only president in my lifetime, and I say this not lightly, that I would catch a bullet for. It's unbelievable. I'm so frustrated. Here's the thing. When you take it past not only the terrorists that are coming across, not only the American citizens who have been killed or injured or somehow harmed, their property destroyed, but when you look at the fact that Russia just invaded the Ukraine, they just sent $48 billion. The House passed $53 billion. When it went through the Senate, came out $48 billion. Uh, they approved $48 billion worth of aid to the Ukraine. But they can't secure our southern border with $5 billion for the wall. And, heck, throw, throw $2 billion at law enforcement, right? Um, so they can't even do that. But it gets worse than that. When you look at the Ukraine, Russia had uh, 190,000 troops amassed on the border of the Ukraine before they invaded 190,000 troops in my area where I live here in Arizona in the Tucson sector alone in the first quarter of this year we had 226,000 illegals caught at our southern border and just in my sector alone caught yeah caught right so and they estimate over 2.7 million people will come across our southern border this year and so not only do you have a president and his administration encouraging the invasion of America and subverting our laws you have them directly responsible, but this is nothing new. I mean, Brian Terry was killed by a weapon that was ran into the hands of the cartels by the U.S. government. Operation Fast and Furious. Wasn't that Eric ATF? Holder. Yeah, but it was every it was every faction. It was it started with the Obama administration. <coughs> Eric Holder, and remember, um, Obama claimed executive privilege, and, and nothing ever came of that. But Eric Holder was running guns through Fast and Furious into the into Mexico to the drug cartels. Right. And out of out of Phoenix. Border here. Patrol agent Brian Terry yep. was killed 
by as a result of that. Yeah. And we don't know the damage past that. I mean, that's just one incident mm -hmm. that made the news, but we don't know what else has gone on beyond, beyond that. So, I mean, you talk about lowest learner using the IRS to target conservative Americans, uh, Eric Holder and what he's done. And all these things, we are in a war for America, plain and simple. Plain and simple, we are in a war for America. We are in a war for the spirit and soul and heart of our country. And we are way behind the game because we're talking about these issues now. The Democrats have been putting this in, this playbook into effect, this strategy into effect for years. I mean, I mentioned Woodrow Wilson earlier. I mean, this has been going on for 100-plus years. And we're just now catching up saying, whoa, how do we do this? So how do we, how do we somehow break through and where can we start picking apart? This is a war. And we are behind. Yeah. They certainly came in and infiltrated the Democrat Party, which used to be a party of working people and was a pretty red, white, and blue party. They were always very pro-American. They've infiltrated that party. They've infiltrated the college campuses. They've now infiltrated the teachers' unions. How uh, about the courthouses? <clears throat> How about the judges? Oh, for How sure. How about I the mean, attorneys? They've infiltrated every level yeah. of government. Well, when you get education, you end up getting the entire upper class. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because culture becomes politics. And yeah. so, I, like I said earlier, and look, you know what? For the Republicans out there, and look, I love every one of you. I'm looking at the camera right now. I love every one of you. But me included, we, we have to go back to the one standard, the truth, liberty. And when you call for laws like, oh, we've got we've to regulate Facebook. We demand free speech. You know, this company has to give us free speech. No, they don't. I mean, there are certain laws that they can't break, but no, they don't. Like, listen, look in, do some self-reflection. Say, okay, if I want this, how about me, my friends, my family, all of us, we stop using Facebook. We vote with our dollars. We vote with our time. If we turned off, you know, everyone's mad at Disney right now. That's the latest one. The woke, you know, LGBTQ yeah. stuff. Yeah. Stop, patron stop patroning Disney. Stop giving them your money and don't ever forgive them. Don't ever go back, you know, kill the mouse, so to speak. You know, you, you don't want that. Say this is unacceptable. This is what happens, whether it's Nike. Well, you know. I think that's happening in big droves. You know, what, what we are seeing, though, is the, uh, the management of communication and information. And that's like a public service, you know, and, and they're regulated. It goes across airways. They're. They're uh, regulated by the U.S. government. They get their licensure from the U.S. government, and then they're propagandizing. Yeah. And and it, well, before everyone goes after Google, and I would crush Google to its knees, and before everyone goes after uh, Zuckerberg, and before everyone goes after Twitter, I would go after NBC and ABC and CBS because these are they're public airways. They're subsidized by us. They're granted by us, and then they're propagandizing and not telling the truth. But then again, I mean, you're talking about, and everything you just said is 100% true, but they're getting, you're talking about regulated by the U.S. government. The same U.S. government who's targeting us with the IRS, who's running guns to cartels, right. selling drugs, poisoning our kids, educating our kids to hate America. This is the same, listen, we are in a war, and if we don't start dismantling, Addition by subtraction, we have to dismantle, and it has to be fast. And it's, you know, look, I said it earlier, I'm a Christian. I have Christian beliefs. If the tree is good and produces fruit, keep it. If it's not, cut it down, move on. That's 100%. One message, liberty. 
Liberty, liberty, liberty. So do you have any congressmen of the other 435? Do you have any other congressmen who have reached out to you or who are besides the local guys or Gosar or any? I mean, do you have uh, are there people that you can reach out and start putting a coalition together? Because there must be right minded originalists. Yes. In the 435 members. So, yes, I have. And and look, I've been to I've been to D.C. a couple of times. I've sat in the meetings. I've you know, I said it. I went to a Freedom Caucus meeting and sat in there, and I've, I've done all that. I've talked to Jim Jordan, and I've talked to all those guys. You know, I've seen them, and uh, listen, the thing is, is here's, you know, you talk about term limits, right? And me and you, we don't like this, but people in D.C., elected politicians, will say, oh, we need term limits. We need term limits because 80% of the Americans believe in this. How many elected representatives who are in favor of term limits have walked away from their jobs when they met? a four-year, six-year commitment. They're all still running. They're all still running. If you believe it, if it's such a worthy thing, you're so principled, walk away. Oh, well, then I can't get anything done. I can't win the war if I'm not there. I, I can't fight for you. I can't do this. Walk away. Yeah. Where are your principles? You know, someone, I don't even, I don't well, remember well, where what, I heard well, You know what? Term limits are interesting. Term limits are a cop-out to me. Yes, they absolutely so are. So they're a cop-out for not following the rules, for lying, using disinformation. They're a cop-out for not doing your job. And they're a way to uh, force bad players who have allowed to be bad, that no one stopped from being bad, to force them away and make room for the next bad players. And what we end up doing is we end up getting rid of our experienced leadership. We end up getting rid of our mature, our our, our mature members who are good. Um, and you know what we what we did need to do to fix our government is start throwing people in jail for breaking laws for not living up to their oath of office. Yes. If you don't hold, uphold your oath of office, you should be removed. If you self enrich yourself, I mean, they. I just heard they're trying to pass a law about insider trading. There's all kinds of laws on insider trading already. Oh, there's tons they're, of them. They, how are these congressmen who you hear them talk? They're not real bright. There's a lot of them that are not real bright. They're average or below intelligence. But they've got a good smile or they got a little bit of a good shuffle to them. Is, are who, you talking about someone from New York? Who has <laughs> who have the best they have the best stock picking capability oh, better amazing, than any Wall Street firm. Yeah. How is that? How does a first year congresswoman from New York who was previously a bartender uh get a Tesla that's probably around seventy to hundred and twenty grand? who all of a sudden is wearing designer clothes uh-huh. to galas and, and all this stuff. Look, and it happens on the Republican side, too. Of course it does. But you touched on something very important there. You talked about corruption, these people going there and getting bought out or becoming corrupt. Yep. And here's why I'm against term limits. One, because I agree with you that we could lose good people. There are good people out there who need to be reelected, who could be sent back to Washington and do a good job. Uh, but two, you're at, you're giving away your authority to the government. You're saying I'm not responsible enough with my vote or educating the people around me and and on the issues and who to vote for, that now I need government to create a law to further oppress me and say you can only have this representative for two, four, six, eight years, whatever it, it's it is. It's even worse. We're so bad and unable to control ourselves that we have to make a law that you can't send us back here. Yes, exactly. It, that's fucking bizarre. And so. And here's another thing. Let's talk about the corruption aspect of it. All right. We, none of us like corrupt politicians. I mean, if you love this country and you, you hate to say it, you hate corrupt politicians, what makes politicians corrupt? Who corrupts the politicians? Special interests? Lobbyists? People who want laws passed? 
All right. Do you think they're going to stop warning laws passed? It's just as much the the members themselves. Sure, but my my point is no, no, no. Is, I, I know what like, you're saying. You're not you getting know, rid of the conditions yeah, that's causing that. Yeah, because if if you can't buy Joe Biden off after 40 years in the Senate, let's say you take that down to two terms of so t- 12 years total, they're just going to buy him off even quicker. That's right, and and he's going to be on the take even quicker. I exactly. only have 12 years. Yeah, they're like, hey, we only got 12 years to corrupt this you know, guy. That's the thing. That's why I know. Mean, that's why I'm against him. I'm, and and what I really want is. You know, what if instead of Mitch McConnell being a marble ma- marble mouthed two faced uniparty liar, what if he was a badass for the junior senators and he brought took everyone to task for for corruption because they know about the corruption. They're all just encouraging each other and giving each other shade about it. Yep, absolutely. And the thing is, is as long as you play ball and you vote the way they tell you to and they give you a couple throwaways here and there That's to save what it is. face play ball but as long as you play ball and do what they want they they won't ruin you uh do you remember the what's the guy's name he was a duncan hunter from california the junior duncan hunter junior he was a representative from california don't remember uh just a couple of years ago during the trump presidency comes out that he's got all these finance um crimes that have been committed like he and his wife are using the the jet to go places they shouldn't oh yeah okay 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 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so he's he's doing all this right and the thing is is they knew this for years while he was in there they knew this stuff before it happened but he stepped out of line Right. At some point, That's how they, he didn't play ball. They make the labyrinth so complex, and this is one of the things that you know Trump has pointed out. He's like, the finance laws and campaign finance laws mm-hmm. and what you can say to what group and who you can yep. talk to, he says it's so complex, yep. they've created a web that everyone's in violation of that they yep. can begin the enforcement hammer yep. at almost any yep. time. Absolutely. It's one of the ways they exert force on everything. Absolutely. And here's the thing. So, you know, he steps out of line. He says, oh, maybe I'm going to support Trump or maybe I'm going to vote no on this bill and they want me to vote yes or whatever. It's usually not something small like a bill and a vote. It's more like supporting Trump or, you know, stepping out and speaking out against something. Once you make that egregious of of a infraction, then they're yeah. like, OK, we're oh, there's an ethics oh, there's violation. An, there's an FBI investigation or, yeah. starting. Yeah, or, right, right, right. But right. meanwhile, Eric Swalwell had a oh, Chinese spy driving him around forever, working on his staff that he was shagging. Yeah, and then you, you can't write this stuff. So it's like, look, addition by subtraction, man. We have to start getting rid of government. We have to get it back down to its purest possible form to protect life, liberty, and property. And if you're a candidate and you're not talking about that, then you're not worth my time. You're not worth my vote. Yeah. And that's and that's where we've got to get to. Awesome. Well, listen, pleasure having you in. Tell everybody again real quick where they can donate. Brandon4Arizona.com, Brandon4Arizona.com. Go there, donate. Listen, uh, earlier we were talking, if you live in a Democrat district that has absolutely no chance of going Republican, you can donate to my campaign. I make four to six hours of cold calls a day to people all across this country, asking them for money, convincing them why I'm the greatest thing to ever come into American politics. Uh, but if you live in a Democrat district and you can donate, please donate, whether it's $25 or the maximum $2,900, donate. But if you live in a red district, like I come from southern Indiana, uh, it's like an R plus nine district, and whoever wins the primary is automatically going to be the representative. If you live there in that kind of district, donate. Let's 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 do this. Let's save this country. Or, you know, if you just got a couple extra shekels lying around, throw a couple my way. Uh, here's an interesting point. I think I'm the only candidate for Congress in history, in the history of Congress, that's been endorsed by two consecutive presidents, one Republican, one Democrat. 
In 2020, President Trump endorsed me on three separate occasions. Honor of a lifetime. Last December, Joe Biden said, let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> That's classic. All right, sports fans from the Greg Medford Show. Greg, your host here in prickly, hot, thorny Arizona. Listen, if you're from California, New York, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, well, maybe Pennsylvania, Illinois, come on down here, play some golf, have a little uh, junket down here, uh, come down here with your wife, come down here with your mistress, come down here with your wife and your mistress. It's Arizona and it's free down here, but don't come down here with your stupid wrongheaded ideas and ruin my state. It's my favorite place in the whole country. I love it here. And uh, that's our show for the day, folks.